0: Well, I want to welcome you here, and especially those of you that are visiting with us for the very first time, welcome to all of you that are watching online, and we usually have hundreds of people that, that watch, and we're glad that you are um, with us. Um, if you're visiting with us uh, today, uh, we're in a series here at Big Valley Grace where I'm, I'm preaching through the, the book of Ephesians. That's what we call it. It was actually a letter that the great apostle Paul wrote to some Christians who were living in a town called Ephesus. And it would have been much like a letter any of us might have written. He wrote it while he was in prison, he sent it off, and it would have arrived, um, you know, at the church, and I'm sure the pastor would have read it to the congregation, much like uh, we're doing now. But here's the deal, I'm gonna change things up here uh, a little bit. Uh, here's why. I, I received a, a ton of emails and texts and phone calls this past week from a lot of married people. And uh, the one basic message was this help! <laughs> um, and so I'm going I'm to change s- some things up here, and um, I'm going to talk about marriages specifically why so marriages uh, why so many marriages die or why so many marriages end in divorce or whatever Jesus said this in John chapter 16 he said in this world you will have trouble beloved trouble and sorrows and heartache and hard times are just kind of the standard equipment in life in fact That that's the the weirdest promise Jesus ever made. He's telling us all something that in this life, this side of glory, life is filled with trouble. Some of your Bibles say trials, some of your Bibles say sorrows. Doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor, doesn't matter whether you're black or white, male or female, single or married. Nobody's exempt from the troubles or the difficulties of life. Single people go through difficult times, and so do married people. Nobody, you know, skates this one. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, He, that's God, causes the sun to rise on good people and on evil people and he sends rain to those who do what is right, and he sends rain on those who do what is wrong. Beloved, good people go through tough times, and bad people go through tough times. Christian people go through tough times, and non-Christian people go through tough times. In other words, difficulties are, are impartial tragedies and disasters happen to us all nobody's immune from the troubles of life just because you gave your life to Christ just because you're baptized doesn't mean hey you know what I'm now immune from troubles or sorrows or pain or difficult times no one's insulated from pain and sorrow and no one gets to skate through life problem-free. No marriage gets to escape the troubles and the sorrows and the difficulties of life. No marriage. You know, if you've been married more than about a week, <laughs> y- y- troubles come. Now, <laughs> well, obviously some are more weighty than others. Now I want you to to listen to me very carefully. When when you go through trials or problems or difficulties or tough times or whatever, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It simply means that you're a person. Did you hear that? Just because you go through a hard time, a difficult time, a a bummer in life, that, that, that doesn't mean you're necessarily a bad person. It just means that you're a person. It doesn't mean that you're an evil human being. It just simply means that you're a human being. The Bible's crystal clear that good things happen to bad people and sometimes bad things happen to good people. Remember, this isn't heaven. This is earth. And so for those of you that are living your life to the glory of God, there's a good chance that bad things might happen to you. And if you're here and, and, and you don't know the Lord, there's a good chance that good things might happen to you. God causes the, the, the sun to shine on everybody. God causes the rain to, to fall on everybody. He just doesn't say, okay you, know, okay, you know, Christians, you know, those that are really living out, you know, the, the faith, I'm going to make sure it's always sunny over them, you know and just rain just kind of follows around everybody who doesn't know well, that's not the way it works. Your husband is going to experience difficult times. Wives, you need to listen to that. There are gonna be moments when your husband will experience difficult times. Some of those difficult times will, 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 will be brought on by him. Some of them won't be, but I guarantee you, your husband is gonna go through some difficult times, whether they're a Christian or not. Guys, husbands, your wife will go through some difficult times. There'll be some sorrowful times in her life. They may be brought on by her, they may not, but it doesn't matter. The reality is is that troubles are just a part of life. And when you have one sinful person, the husband, who marries a, another sinful person, the wife, now there's just two sinful people living under the same roof. You just double up the sin. Sometimes there's just going to be trouble because of that. All this to say that, that the chances are, are pretty good that every single marriage will go through hard times. Every single marriage is gonna go through difficult times. I guarantee it. If you go through our premarital stuff, it's one of the things we're gonna point out. Hey, Hey, I know you're in love now. Love, love, love. You're all googie eyed. You're all looking at each other. You're both perfect. You're perfect. I know. Yeah. Just wait. You know, (laughs) that'll that'll wear off. You know. (laughs) The question I have for you is this Are you ready for them? Are you prepared for the difficult times that are going to come? Jesus already said, they're going to come. You're going to experience hard times in your own personal life. Your spouse is going to experience hard times in her personal life. You come together, the chances are pretty good that now it's going to intersect in your marriage. The question is, are you ready for them? Are you prepared for them? Listen to these words of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 7. He said, everyone who hears my words and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It rained hard and the floods came and the winds blew and hit that house, but it did not fall because it was built on the rock. Everybody who hears these words of mine and blows them off, doesn't obey him. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. It rained hard, the floods came, the winds blew and hit that house and it fell with a big crash. In other words, trials and troubles and hard times hit both of those homes, it's inevitable. The difference was one was prepared for the troubles that would come. One was ready for it. One had taken the time to build their home on the rock. The other one wasn't. I think Jesus is telling us something super important here. He's telling us that the the key to a strong house is to make sure that it's built on the right foundation. Why? Why is it so important to build your house or your life or your marriage on the right foundation, it's it's important because life is full of troubles. Jesus already told us that. Life is full of difficult times. Life is full of storms that come, right? And when you build your life or your family or your marriage on the right foundation, it'll still be standing when the troubles pass or the difficult times pass or the storm passes or whatever. There, there may be a little water damage. There, there may be a few tiles that have come loose on the roof or whatever. But if you built your life on, and your marriage on the right foundation, it'll still be standing. I guarantee it because the Bible guarantees it. Jesus guarantees it. You see, I believe one of the biggest reasons marriages fail or die or whatever is because the husband and wife weren't prepared for the trouble or the sorrows or the trials that inevitably come or the storms that inevitably come into every marriage. They just weren't ready. The Lord, the one in whom we follow said, they're coming. You cannot escape this Life without troubles and sorrows. I cause it to rain on the just and the unjust. I cause the sun to shine down on the just and the unjust. Troubles and trials are going to hit your life, which means they're going to hit your marriage. He's already told us that. I think the problem is, is we're just not ready for them. We're just not ready. So what I want to do is I just want to share with you a few thoughts that I hope will get you ready. Now, over the years, I've shared these thoughts with you before in some form or fashion, but I think it'd be good to to look at them, uh, again, based upon hundreds of emails and texts and and, uh, phone messages and things like that. So here we go. Number one, uh, a husband and a wife need to be prepared for the sinful culture that impacts their marriage. A husband and a wife need to be prepared for the sinful culture that impacts their marriage. And listen to me, husbands and wives, this sinful culture is impacting your marriage. It is, it's happening. The storm is raging. Let me give you some bad news. As crazy and as weird and as sinful as our culture is, the Bible tells us that it's going to get even worse the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than love God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Now I want you to know that sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? Now, I'm not saying we're in the end times. Don't leave here saying, hey, Pastor thinks we're in the end times. I don't know whether we're in the end times or not. I don't know. Every generation thought they were in the end times. I don't know whether we are or not. All I know is I read that and go, man, that's the front page of the Modesto (laughs) B. Now I don't have time to go through each of these things that Paul points out, though that would be a, a great message, I think. But I do want to look at two of them, and these two things are nothing but trouble in a marriage. They'll mess up your marriage, and they're messing up some of your marriages now. For some of you, they messed up your first marriage, maybe your second, maybe your third, maybe your fourth. And if you're on your fifth or sixth or whatever, let's make sure this is the last one. Okay? Can't do anything about the past. The point of this message isn't poking in the eye. I don't need to do that. What I want to do is just help you give, give, give you some tools so that maybe this is the one that, that, that lasts. See? Anyway, number one, the, the, the culture of self will mess up your marriage. Paul said, for people will love only themselves. <laughs> wow. By the way, if you're single, pay attention. This is an attitude that says, I, I got to do what's best for me. And when that attitude creeps into a marriage, that marriage is in big trouble. Some of you are right now, your marriages are in big trouble because one of you or both of you, the, the, the culture of self, individualism, has just crept into your marriage. And all that matters is, is, is self. That's it. When I'm counseling a a married couple and one of them says, you know, Pastor Rick, we're just incompatible. You know what that is? That's code for I'm selfish. That's what it is. It means you're not willing to change. You're not willing to give in. Everything has to be your way. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to hurt some of you, but, but but it needs to be said, okay? My point isn't to hurt you. person that has a selfish attitude thinks things like this. I know that if I divorce my spouse and walk out on my marriage, that my kids are gonna suffer, I know that. But what matters is, is me. I gotta do what works for me, even though my kids are gonna suffer for it. I matter more than my kids. And then they they justify it by saying, oh, my kids are way better off. (laughs) Let me just tell you, they're not no matter how many times you say it. You can say it every day if you want. You can say it every hour, but they ain't better off. You did what was best for you. That's what you did. Man, I I couldn't live with her. I don't wanna live with her, but I'll leave my kids there with her. Really? I don't wanna live with the guy. Come, you lose her, man, but I'll leave my kids there. I'll make sure that, you know, dad gets them every other weekend while I'm not around. Look, this attitude can easily creep into your life, which means it can creep into your marriage, which then will lead your marriage to eventually just die. So you need to watch this carefully. Your flesh is very powerful. It's just super powerful. Your flesh wants to be the center of attention. It wants to make sure all of its needs are met. All of its desires are met. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're given the greatest definition of what real love is or what real love looks like. It says this in verses 4 and 5, love, real love, is is patient and it's kind. Love, real love, biblical love, is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. And then it says this, love, real love, God's love, the kind of love we're to have for each other, it does not demand its own way. Wow, that's just powerful, isn't it? Every wedding I've ever been to, probably every one I've ever done, you know, you always read that, and it's just this flowery little thing. We don't really stop and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Real love does not demand its own way. In other words, real love is humble, it doesn't just think about itself. God said this through the great prophet Isaiah. He said, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. Our brother James said this, humble yourselves before the Lord and then he will lift you up. Let me tell you what that verse means right there. It means that humility is a choice. You choose to be humble or you choose not to be humble. You choose to be humble or you choose to be arrogant. You choose to be humble or you choose to be self-centered. It's your choice. God would never say to you, humble yourself if you couldn't do it. God says, hey, humble yourself. Husbands, humble yourselves. Wives, humble yourselves. Be really careful about self. Don't, don't, don't let self creep into your life or your, your marriage. Being humble is something you choose. It's something you do. It's an action you take. Humility is a, is a verb. Over and over again, the Bible says humble yourselves. In other words, you choose to think or act or speak in a humble way. And when you make that choice, God promises, you know what? I'll lift you up. I'll lift up your marriage. I'll be the one who will do it. Romans chapter 12 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love and give preference to one another in honor. Obviously, that's gotta mean your spouse, right? But I can tell you, your flesh doesn't like that. Your flesh, you know, meet my need, meet my need, meet my need, meet my need, right? God says, give preference to one another in honor. Jesus said this in Matthew 16. He said, those who want to save their lives, that's a a self-centered individualistic life, will give up true life. And those who give up their lives for me will have true life. In other words, your your life really begins to matter or, or take on real significance when you choose to live for something greater than yourself. But that's hard. And even believers can allow self to creep into their marriages, okay? Now the second one I wanna point out is, is, is this, number two, the culture of materialism will mess up your marriage. Paul said, for people will love only themselves, and then he says, and their money. Beloved, it's unbelievable how many marriages have been ruined because of materialism. They bought things they couldn't afford, which then led them to become so overcommitted and overextended, trying to keep up with all the payments that they didn't have time for each other anymore. Or it caused so much tension in their marriage, they just couldn't handle it anymore. That's where some of you are at. The, this, the sinful, evil culture has just impacted your marriage. I told you that, and I'll spend time on this next week. I'm going to, God doesn't come back. I'm going to talk about families, children, and our responsibility. I th- I, you got kids or you want to have kids someday, you got to come back next week. But I told you a couple of weeks ago that the greatest thing your kid needs isn't more square footage. <laughs> I know, self wants it. I know that. I get it. Your, your kids don't need a bigger car. That's not what they need. Now I know you do. I, I know self wants it. I get that. But your kids don't need more square footage. They don't need that. They don't need a bigger car that you drive. They just need you. That's all. And yet the culture of materialism bombards us. I mean, we're buying things and stuff, and the next thing you know, you know, they, they told us it was gonna be, you know, 12 easy payments, right? I've never had an easy payment. I never once. i written a check and gone, man, that was easy. Yeah. They lied to me. Because see, one payment, and before you know it, you just start stacking all the payments on there, and wow, and now somebody goes out and gets a second job, and now you're arguing at home, and it's just all over the finances. You see, you see how the, the evil culture can slip in very carefully, you know, and quietly, and start to goof up your marriage? It happens. That's why you've got to be careful of it. Another great example of how materialism affects marriage is the prenuptial agreement. I saw this BC cartoon where BC is looking up the definition of a prenuptial agreement in the dictionary and this is what it says. Quote, a prenuptial agreement is an agreement between two people who love each other almost as much as they love their possessions. That's a secular cartoon. Now, I think there are times when prenuptial agreements are, are needed, like like if there's been a divorce and you have children, you know, and both couples bring in children. There may be some good reasons to have a prenuptial agreement, but most of the time a prenuptial agreement is, isn't needed. It's simply a document that basically says my stuff is my stuff, and it's always going to be my stuff. But I love you. I, I, do. I really do. Just don't mess with my stuff i want to make sure I got that on paper. <laughs> in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said this. He challenges the wisdom of the materialist. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In other words, don't don't, don't judge your life by how how much of God. The greatest things in life aren't things. They're your family. It's your spouse. It's your children. Those are the greatest things in life. But man, the the culture around us says something different. All the magazines and all the commercials and all the things. In Second Chronicles chapter two, it says this about a particular group of, of people. It says, from the tribe of Ishakar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives, and all these men understood the signs of the times, and they knew the best course for Israel to take. And listen to me, husbands, wives, we need to be like those men we need to understand the times that we're living in. Understand the culture that we're living in. It's sinful, it's evil, it's wicked, and it's impacting your, your, your individual lives, and it's impacting your marriage. Be wise to it. Understand that self can mess up your marriage. Understand that materialism can mess up your marriage. And I wish I would have had time to go through the rest of the things that Paul mentions there because there's a whole bunch of them that still are messing up marriages today in that list that he wrote Now, how should we as Christians respond to a culture that says, me first, you know, money first, pleasure first, or whatever? What's the key to coping with, with uh, with the culture? Well, the key is transformation. That's the key transformation. Romans chapter 12 says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, don't do that. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Beloved, that word transform in the Greek simply means metamorphosize. Imagine a a caterpillar crawling up a tree and then it spins a cocoon and then almost magically one day a beautiful butterfly comes out and flies away. That's what God longs to do in your life is take you from this caterpillar and transform you into something unbelievable. Now, the world wants you to stay as you are. There are forces out work that want you just to stay as you are. But God says, no, let me transform you. I want to transform a man. I want to transform a woman. I want to bring them together and make something unbelievable of their two lives in this thing called a, a marriage. And how does he do it? How does he... You know, you know, transform our lives? Well, it happens really one way, and that's by changing the way you think, by the renewing of your mind. And how do you change the way you think? Well, the greatest way you can change the way you think is by filling your mind with God's word. And not just reading God's word, hearing God's word, but remember what Jesus said, then doing it. Listening to God's word is easy. You can sit here and listen to God's word all day long. You can listen to God's word on the radio. You can listen to all kinds of podcasts. Listening to the word of God is easy. It's doing it. That's when you begin to build your life or your marriage on the rock. That's when transformation happens is when you actually do what God's word says Warren Worsby said when the people of God look into the word of God and see the glory of God the spirit of God transforms them to be like the son of God and that's true I think I put that in your notes I think Love well, but the more you fill your 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 life or your mind with God's word the more it transforms your life so let me ask you a question here how many minutes a week do you spend reading the word of God You involved in our men's and women's Bible studies around here? You in a small group? How many many minutes a week do you spend in in God's Word? That might be one of the most important questions you'll ever answer because your your answer literally determines what your life or your marriage is going to be like. Do you get into the Word of God? Let let, let me tell you something. Uh, Obviously, you know, I, I come to work here, and I spend a lot of time reading this thing, a lot of time. A lot of time uh my wife has other responsibilities um uh, you know she, she manages our home and runs all that and keeps it all together and you know pays all the bills I, I don't know anything I just whatever but 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 I have a role she's got a role but every morning when I wake up I would say about 90 percent of the time she she wakes up before I I do she's gonna have to deal with the kids and, and the cooking the breakfast and getting them all ready and putting them in a the car and you know taking them to school and helping them with their last-minute homework she's got to do all that kind of stuff I'm already gone by then right so she gets up well before I do 90% of the time and she sits in the living room with the Word of God and I'll tell you what every morning I get up <laughs> after her and I walk in get my coffee And she's always right there in the chair with the word of God. It matters because she deals with her flesh, just like we all do. She has to deal with materialism, right? Just like we all do. And all the other things. The culture. And I'm watching God transform her life. So really a great question is how much time do you spend in the book that is there to transform your life? Okay, number two, the second thing you need to be prepared for is this. Husband and wife need to be prepared for the unexpected crises that impact their marriage. Yes, the culture is going to bombard you with a bunch of crummy things, but you've got to be ready for these unexpected crises that, that come. I read a study that, that, that lists the top 12 most stressful crises that a marriage can experience. Okay, number one was the death of a child, and some of you experienced that a jail sentence, an unfaithful spouse, major uh, financial difficulty or bankruptcy, business failure, being fired, a miscarriage or a stillbirth, having to go to court, uh, unwanted pregnancy, a major illness in the family, you know, like cancer or something like that, unemployment over, you know, several months, the death of a close friend, and then it said this in there, having a one-on-one meeting with Pastor Rick. (laughs) That'll... (laughs) That'll make you sweat. Guarantee it. You'll send you right over the edge. Kidding. Here's the deal. Some of these crises are inevitable. Some of them aren't, but most of them are. They're just going to come into your life. They, they will come into your marriage, and most of them, you know, come with no advanced warning. They just happen. Boom. Listen to what King David said in Psalm 69. He said, save me, O God, from the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. Now obviously he's not talking about a real flood here because he's writing this. Okay. That's why he's the pastor. He pointed pointed that out to me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with with weeping, waiting for my God to, to, to help me. Ever felt like that? Ever felt like you were going under for the last time? I have. I felt like that. I thinking back to a time, you know, almost 15 years ago, married, life was pretty good, had a five-year-old, and uh, out of nowhere, I didn't, get any, I didn't get a text, I didn't get an email, nobody called me up on the phone and said, hey, buck your seatbelt, something's going to happen, but my wife died in a car wreck, boom! I read that passage right there, I can't even tell you how many times, and I I I felt like, I'm going under! I'm going under! I can't do it! I I don't know how to raise a five-year-old! I don't know, what am I doing? I don't know how to braid hair, I don't know how to comb hair, I don't know how to put a dress on her, I don't know, I don't even know who her teacher is! I get it. I've been there, most of us have been there. What do you do when your, your marriage is in deep water? What do you do when, when you're in over your head, when some unexpected crisis hits your life? Well, listen to what God said through the prophet Isaiah. I think that's pretty good. God says, don't be afraid. When you go through deep waters and great trouble, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown, you won't drown. That's a great promise. When you're in over your head, when the floods come, when the unexpected crisis has hit your life or your marriage, you got to remember three things. Number one, remember God says that you have nothing to fear. Christian, you got nothing to fear? Now you think you do, but you don't. Number two, God says that he's always with you. Always with you, and I know you won't feel like he's with you. I got that. I I know that feeling. There were many times I didn't feel like God was with me, but the good news was I had a Bible, and I had the truth, and the truth is what sets you free, and the truth says that God is always with me. So it didn't matter how I felt. I had the truth, and I had to go to a higher place. I, I couldn't stay with how I felt, I had to go to a higher place and that was the word of God and go, I know how I feel but the truth is is that God is always with me. And then number three, God says to just keep trusting him. Husbands, wives, that's a promise you can count on. Now now you may get wet, you, you may lose a few tiles on your roof as I said earlier, you may have a few broken windows or two but you're not gonna drown. You're not gonna. Because God's with you. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your marriage. He has a plan for your family or whatever. Look, the bottom line is this. When a crisis of life comes into your marriage, you basically got two options. Number one, you can either walk through it together or you can walk out on each other. Those are your two options, basically. You either go, man, I'm, I'm in this mess. Maybe you created the mess. Maybe it didn't create the mess. But any way you look at it, you go, man, let's walk through this together. we got to remember what God's word says. Or you just go, you know what, I'm done. So what's the key to coping with a crisis? The key is commitment. Commitment to each other and your marriage. Commitment means being willing to be miserable for a while. Commitment means being willing to be unhappy while you work out the problems. Instead of walking out, you hang in there even though it stinks. That's what commitment is. Is you go, you know what? I don't like where I'm at in my life right now. I don't like my marriage. I don't like it. Self doesn't like it. But commitment says, even though I don't like it, even though I'm not happy right now, even though life stinks, commitment says, I'm going to stick through this thing. See? But remember, the culture, self, 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 it's gonna get in the way. And self's gonna say, man, get out of here, man. You're not happy, you're waking up miserable every day. Well, guess what? Commitment says I'm willing to be miserable for a season until I work this thing out, until I get counseling, until I get help, whatever whatever it is. See, here's the deal. The fact is you made a, 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 a Uh, a binding vow before God. You promised until death do us part, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. And, And here's the thing. Self is so powerful. You'll even blow off a vow that you made to your spouse in front of God. That's how powerful your flesh is. Oh, I know I made that vow. I know I made it, God. I don't care. That just tells you how powerful self is. I, I don't care about this commitment anymore. See. And number three, and, and I'm really gonna hustle here, uh, a husband and wife need to prepare for the inevitable changes that impact their marriage change is a part of life, it's a big part of life, they're they're inevitable, everything changes with time except for God, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 to everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under the sun, and this includes your marriage, your marriage has seasons, marriages go through stages, there's the the honeymoon stage, my daughter who'll be here tomorrow, she's in the honeymoon stage, She's, she's getting married in May, and I see her and her fiance, you know, hey, hey, hey. They're just like, it's like, it's, like it's weird. My wife and I were talking about it the other day. <laughs> then, there's, then there's, you know, they get married stage, and, but they don't have a child. Then there's the decision whether to have children or not stage. Then there's the raising your children stage. Then there's the preschooler stage. And then there's raising children through grade school change, right? Uh, a parenting uh, teenager stage this is the stage you think you're never never gonna end then, then you got the college year you know stage and you got the empty nest stage unbelievable how many how many couples divorce when they get to that change of life they're not ready for it and they've been raising their kids and they've had three kids and so they have kids in the house for 20 30 years and then they're all gone and they look at each other and go who are you you know what are you doing here And you call the cops hey there's a strange guy in the house you just you weren't ready for that moment you weren't ready for that change you see there's the retirement stage look life changes and if you don't learn how to adapt to change your marriage is going to be in trouble one of the most common complaints i hear is pastor rick my spouse isn't the person that i married and i always say of course they're not neither are you go look at the mirror, man you're not the person your spouse married We change emotionally as time goes on. We change intellectually as time goes on. We change spiritually in our commitments as time goes on. We change physically, don't we? When I married my wife, my hair was a different color. Know what I'm saying? We change. And guess what? A lot of marriages just aren't ready for that. They're not prepared for the fact that they're going to change. Things are going to change. So I want you to make the commitment to love your spouse for the rest of your life, no matter what changes may come. I've personally committed to love my wife, Erin, for as long as I live, no matter what happens, no matter what changes take place in her life. And guess what, folks, she's changed. I I, I remarried, for those of you that are visiting, I remarried. You know, she's not the same gal. She didn't look the same. She's grown in her walk with Jesus. That's changed. She's more mature today than she was. You see, we change. And I've made a commitment. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what changes happen in her life. I'm, I'm gonna love her no matter what. Doesn't matter. So what's the key to coping with change? The key is contentment. Paul says, I've learned to be content with whatever the circumstances may be. Whatever they are. Whatever whatever the changes are. I'm I'm gonna be content. I, I am ready for anything through the strength of Christ who lives within me. Look, I guarantee you that troubles and difficulties are gonna come into your marriage, your life, all that kind of stuff, they're gonna come into your family, I just guarantee it, which means you have to have a good foundation because if you don't, the sinful culture can easily get a grip in your life or your marriage. The, the unexpected crises that come into every marriage can more easily overwhelm you and the inevitable changes that come can more easily mess you up, mess up your marriage. See, you, 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 you gotta make sure that you're building your life, your marriage, on the right foundation. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God has placed Jesus Christ as the one and only foundation, and no other foundation can be laid. Beloved, Jesus Christ is the glue that holds you together. It holds your marriage together. He's the foundation that holds your family together. He's it. And it's absolutely critical that you heed the words of of Jesus when he said this. Remember, everyone who hears my words and obeys them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It rained hard. Culture. The floods came. Crises. The winds blew, change, and hit that house, hit that life, hit that marriage, but it did not fall. Why? Because it was built on the rock. That's what it was built on. I want you all to stand. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time that we've had to be here. I have just really dug it. I have enjoyed the singing. I've enjoyed the testimonies and watching people being baptized. I've enjoyed giving, and I've enjoyed your word, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that as we just kind of take this off-ramp this weekend and do something a little bit different than Ephesians, I hope that somehow this will be a blessing to all of us. That somehow we would all look at these words of Jesus and we would, we would bore down on the word of God and living it out in our lives and in our marriages. It's just critical. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, amen. amen. amen.